Well, hello there. Richard Tubb here with another episode of Tub Talk, the podcast for IT consultants. Now, we've been really fortunate over the past few months and years to speak to a host of amazing women in tech on this show. And today, we're speaking to the CEO of one of the fastest growing players in the managed services industry. Emily Glass is president and CEO of Synchro, an all-in-one RMM, PSA, and remote access tool that helps managed service providers, MSPs, run more profitable businesses. Now, previously, Emily was customer experience officer at Datto, where she created an award-winning technical support experience, and she was also Datto's chief product officer, driving product strategy. Emily has also served in senior leadership positions at Backupify, Akamai, and Brightcove, where she managed product, design, marketing, and support. Emily holds degrees in both computer engineering and fine arts. I'm absolutely thrilled and honored to have Emily on the show today. Emily, how are you? Good, thank you. How are you doing, Richard? Very well, indeed. Now, I'm going to give a peek behind the curtains of the show um, Emily and I were talking just before we came on air and I said, look, if you stumble over your words or anything like that, don't worry about it. Emily, what did I do during the intro there? Oh, you were perfection. You did, <laughs> No <laughs> mistakes whatsoever. Definitely <laughs> not one or two that uh, you had to correct. That definitely didn't I, And happen. I definitely, I don't have a problem with the word leadership at all, do I? So no. No, no, no. <laughs> Neither do I. I love leadership. <laughs> Emily, it's really good to see you. We were, we were just chatting before we came on air. I think it was... Uh, the towards the end of 2019 that you and I uh, last saw each other in person, and it was in Paris, wasn't it? Yes, it was. You had just been on a lovely uh, uh, train ride that you really love. Uh, and uh, yeah, that was the first time that we met in person in Paris. Not a bad place to meet. Absolutely. And it was uh, it was all the way back on episode 61 of Tub Talk 2019. You were the chief product officer at Datto. So obviously a lot has changed since then. So tell us about your path to CEO of Synchro. Yeah, so definitely, you know, I fell in love with MSPs when I worked at Datto. That was the beginning of my, uh, you know, my journey into learning about MSPs, working with them, supporting them. Uh, as you mentioned, I worked as uh, the CXO at Datto, so I really got to get involved with the business challenges that they were facing, uh, providing a great support experience to them, uh, and interacting with them, you know, through email, phone, in person, at events, uh, all that great stuff, and um, really, you know, fell in love with the industry and really what they were trying to do in supporting SMBs and uh, enabling uh, technical solutions for them. Uh, I left briefly uh, and I joined a B2B gifting company for a little bit, but I am back now as the CEO of Synchro, and I was so pleased to be given the opportunity to come back to the industry uh, and work with MSPs again. Like you said, a lot has changed, but a lot is also the same. Uh, and uh, Synchro is really close to our customers. So I get to uh, really have that engagement that I love as well again. Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting thing. You know, I've interviewed a number of people on this uh, podcast who have become very successful in the MSP industry like yourself, and then left or taken a break, and then got drawn back again, because yeah. it is a fascinating industry, isn't it? I've spoken to so many people who have said, that they have never come across an industry before where the people want to help one another, where, you know, as an industry as a whole, it's so warm and competitors, so to speak, help one another to, to raise the bar both personally and professionally. So what's it feel like to be back in the MSP space? 
It feels really great. Like I said, I love, I love MSPs. I love, um, you know, you said coming back, there's so much change that happens all the time in this yeah. space that um, there's a lot of new things. And I love change because I come from a technical background, as you mentioned, and in technology and in sort of small companies and fast growth, there's always change happening, just like in the MSP industry. So I feel like um, that's a great wave to surf with with all of our partners and really help them uh, and guide them through that as well as you know synchro as a company is going through that at the same time so yeah. it's a huge challenge and I love I love learning so it's a great place to be so so tell us a bit more about synchro for for the benefit of anybody unfamiliar with synchro how would you describe the business so we are a software platform uh, we are focused exclusively on MSPs. Uh, and as you mentioned in the opener, we have an RMM, PSA, and remote access tools. That's kind of the foundation of what we offer, which are the essential tools that an MSP really needs to run their business operations, as you well know. Um, and then we have a lot of integration partners to provide additional tools uh, that folks need. But we really try to focus on listening to our partners and growing with them. So we really want our MSPs to reach their full potential. And that's kind of been ingrained in the business since, since we got started. Yeah, I'm a big, big fan of shining a light on this podcast on uh, the disruptors in this market. And I mean that in a very positive uh, sense of the word, because as you said, the MSP industry is all about change. And Synchro is a name that I hear coming up again and again and again in a very positive sense in terms of the disruption that you bring into the industry. So again, you know, for anybody not familiar with Synchro, where do you have offices? Which countries do you have MSP customers? Give us a little bit more about the company. Sure. So the answer to where we have offices might uh, be still a little bit shocking in today's day and age. We have no office anywhere on the planet. Uh, I talk to new hires or potential hires all the time and they ask me, you know, will I have to come back to work? And I go, I couldn't make you go back to work <laughs> if I wanted to. There is no place. So we're all remote. Uh, we're around the world. Most of our employees and most of our team members are in the U.S. and Canada, but we do have folks around the world, obviously, for 24-5 support reasons and just different talent that we've been able to, to attract over time. Um, and we have customers and partners, uh, mostly in North America, the U.K., and then Australia and New Zealand. That's kind of like the epicenters of concentration of customers, but we don't really have any limits. Uh, we are an English only sort of platform at the moment. So that's why I think, you know, we have most of our partners in those regions, but um, we do have partners outside of those as well. Yeah, and really interesting yeah. that you say about like the, the no offices thing. So sorry, I'll set you up a little bit with that question on purpose <laughs> because it, it is, um, it, it, it's a, a growing trend, isn't it? You know, I speak to so many companies. Uh, I'm speaking to friends at Google the other day and, um, you know, they're not going back to the offices. They're working from home. And there's yeah. no reason not to, because if for two reasons, I think if you want to attract the best talent, you know, you've got to go where the talent is and not just say, hey, you've got to come to this arbitrary location there. And secondly, I don't think anybody expects, you know, anybody to have offices anymore. Um, yeah. uh, perhaps it's a throwback to the old uh, industrial days of working and that, that we all expect everybody to congregate in a single location. So how do you find it working from home as a CEO and managing a remote team? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, Synchro has been remote since 2017. So I've been fortunate enough uh, to take over as CEO with a culture that already was used to it. You know, I think a lot of businesses struggled through the pandemic to adapt 
to a remote only, like they were forced into it all of a sudden without much thought and planning. Synchro has been like this for a number of years. And so I've been fortunate to take that over. But I think, you know, as CEO or anyone working in that environment, um, the amount of effort you need to put in to connect with people is different, right? When we were in person or had in-person opportunities, I think uh, there was a lot less effort needed to make those connections because you just ran into each other. You could go for a coffee. You could do those things. They were just, you took it for granted. Now, I think, you know, you have to put in a bit of extra effort to make sure that you're connecting with people outside of pure work topics, right? Outside of meetings that are about a, a work subject and also that you're communicating enough to enough people. So we have an all hands, for example, once a week, um, which in the, the old days would have been a lot. We used to do them like once a month, you know, at other companies, but um, at Synchro we do once a week because we really want to make sure we get everybody together to connect, communicate, talk to each other cross-functionally, um, showcase what we've done and make sure that we're keeping up uh, contact with each other even when we don't have an in-person space together. Yeah, and I want to dig a little bit deeper into this and the culture of the business as a whole. Uh, but before we do, uh, I'll yeah. come back to that in a little bit. I think most MSPs are familiar with PSA, Professional Services Automation, familiar with RMM, Remote Monitoring and Maintenance. But Synchro is a combined RMM and PSA tool. I'm really intrigued. Why would you suggest a combined tool is more effective than, say, the traditional separate tools? Yeah, I think there's a bunch of reasons, um, and and you're correct. Synchro is the combined uh, solution of RMM and PSA, and you know the main reason I think that makes sense is that's really the hub of an MSP's operations, running their business, right? You need to sort of effectively monitor and manage your clients and their assets. You need to communicate with your, your end customers and clients on issues and also on sort of the value that you're providing. And I think when the RMM and PSA are closely connected, you can um, automate more workflows, more remediations, and even some client interactions, right? Like uh, report on value, that kind of a thing can be automated, which saves an MSP time. And it also standardizes processes. So there's less chance for errors, um, oversights, that kind of thing when you have more automation. Um, that's like the main reason. I think mm -hmm. there's a few other benefits like teams are on a single tool. So the UI is the same. There's less to learn. It's more kind of standard interactions. You don't have two separate vendors or two separate interfaces that folks have to learn. And in today's day and age, getting a tech up to speed on a workflow or a tool is, is half the battle. Um, and also we provide a lot of the essential tools, whether it's sort of in the platform or through integrations that allow MSPs to kind of consolidate uh, vendors and get a lot out of our platform. So, you know, we have remote access, for example, built in. So that's something they don't have to go and pay for separately. We have some billing services and other things that, um, you know, just come with the platform and, and save folks money. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. In terms of the the MSPs that are Synchro uh, clients, customers now, and you said, you know, uh, Australia, the US, North America, UK, I know you've got a big presence, spoke to lots of uh, your customers over here. What type of MSPs are they, Emily? Are they uh, small, nimble MSPs? Are they medium, big? You know, uh, do they, and I guess a follow-up question there, 
do they come from other PSA or RMM tools or are they Greenfield? Lots of questions there. So answer yes. them in any, any, in any order. <laughs> I'll try to remember all of those. Uh, so traditionally or historically, you know, Synchro is a, a, new, a new system, a new platform. Um, and so we, we started out with sort of emerging MSPs, folks who really appreciated the fact that we have like no terms for contracts. We have a very simple, transparent price, right? It's on our website. It's per tech. Uh, it's easy to get started with that. that that's a value that we still hold today. Um, so we started our um, off with the platform with a lot of like emerging MSPs, folks just getting started. The beauty is as we've enhanced the platform, our partners have also grown with us and the platform has grown. So now we see that average kind of partner size and the, the amount of features that we have satisfies a bit more sort of upmarket and larger MSPs. So I still say we're sort of in the emerging MSP space. But, you know, we still have a lot of folks just getting started, just getting their feet under them as an MSP. But we also have um, larger ones that are growing with us. And it's a it's a cycle, right? We feed each other as they're successful. We're successful and vice versa. Yeah. Um, and then you asked a second question. Yeah, I was going to say in, in terms of, forgive me, this is where my skills as an interviewer uh, show that I just throw the CEO a million questions and expect you to uh, remember them all, Emily. <laughs> um, I was trying. No, 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 <laughs> uh, forgive me. So yeah, second part of that, the type of MSPs that you work with, you've explained. Now, do they come to you with legacy systems in place uh, yeah. or do they uh, come to you as greenfield sites? Yeah, that's a great question. It's actually one of the things that's been surprising to me coming back to the space because I can remember, um, you know, about 10 years ago, uh, working with, um, you know, P other PSAs that um, there was a lot more greenfield and folks were coming with like spreadsheets and Outlook and like they, they had tools to do the job, but they weren't a PSA and RMM. Yeah. Um, most of the folks that we see today already have a solution, even if they're like a one person shop just getting started, they've got something. And I think that has to do with the innovation that we've seen in the space, the affordability of solutions we've seen in the space and also the maturity of the MSP space as a whole. There's there's a lot of different choices for folks. And uh, I think it's, it's a recognized uh, need that you have to have sort of a PSA and RMM if you want to run an MSP. Yeah, absolutely. So you're obviously hugely familiar with the PSA and the RMM market. You joined Datto as part of an acquisition, didn't you? I think from memory back in 2014. Yes. You're now yes. the CEO of Synchro uh, and you've been there since uh, December, haven't you? And we're in you know middle, uh, getting on into 2022 now how have you seen the managed service market change in that time because on one hand it's a fairly short period of time but on another hand as you've already alluded to the msp market moves so quickly so how have you seen things change in your in your time yeah, it's uh, it's changed quite a bit, as as you know. I alluded to. There's a lot of change in the space all the time. Um, and I came to Datto through the acquisition of Backupify mm. in 2014. So that's really uh, when I started to be exposed and learn about the industry. Was in you know early early 2015 as I started to get uh, more uh, involved with the MSP side of the Datto business. Um, and a lot has changed. I think um, you know one the, one of the biggest things that I reflect on is just when I started uh, the MSP market and the and MSP as a concept was still new in, in the world, right? And yeah. definitely in different regions was at different stages of maturity. And so the concept that like a small business needed an IT partner was not de facto, right? Was not necessarily the standard, but now of course it is. Uh, and we see the opportunity and the growth of the MSP space as a result of that. 
Um, and, you know, I think that's due to the complexity of the technical solutions um, that small businesses need to just run even a small one person shop with the changes we've seen with the pandemic, uh, remote work, they, they need to be enabled with technical solutions to even just function and run a sustaining business. So I think the need has grown um, and that need has been, uh, you know, the call has been answered by, by MSPs. Uh, apart from that, I think, you know, all the standard things I'm sure You've had many guests on have told you all the same answers, right? Move to the cloud, increase cybersecurity risks, um, accelerating change from the pandemic. I think all of these things have driven a lot of different change, especially just in the last couple of years. Um, hiring challenges, right? Getting qualified techs um, and a lot of M&A uh, and PE interest in the space as well. So just, I don't know. I just threw a lot at you. No, I'm no, sure it's those cool. aren't new data points uh, for your listeners. <laughs> well, th th there's one specific thing I want to pick out there, uh, and that's the PSA side of things, the professional services automation. Now, when I, you know, was running an MSP uh, business, you know, we're going back sort of 20 years now. Uh, some MSPs or some IT companies had a PSA tool, but as you very rightly say, fast forward to the modern day, you know, I can't imagine an MSP running without a professional services automation tool because it's basically typically seen as the MSP's business operating system, the hub, as you referred to it earlier on, in that it needs to integrate with so many other tools. We've got like accounting, payments, automation, marketing, scripting, remote access, and the list goes on. What's Synchro's philosophy towards the integration of tools? What does that look like? Yeah, I think, you know, we've always been an open ecosystem. So we do have a lot of integrations available. We have an app center uh, is what we call it in the platform. We have a lot of other MSP vendors that are integrated there uh, for um, functionality that we don't provide natively in the platform. And, you know, we recognize that we can't do everything. We can't be experts uh, and good at every single thing. Maybe over time, right? When we conquer the world, uh, we'll, we'll be able to do that. But for now, you know, we want to be, uh, we want to provide like those emerging MSPs with a complete platform and a reliable one, right? We want that to enable their businesses to grow. So there's things that we're good at today that we build into the platform that we invest in. And there's areas where we partner because that's the, you know, the best solution for our partners. Um, and we want them to have a, a an integrated set of capabilities, even if it's not our expertise today. Yeah, makes absolute sense. Uh, pick up on something you mentioned earlier on, uh, uh, from a, a, I guess from a logistics perspective, what does the Synchro licensing model look like? Because you've suggested it's quite simple. Yeah, I'll start with just the trial process, which is also simple. So you can sign up for a free trial on the website, no credit card or any any uh, hassle, um, and you can try the product, full functionality. Um, and we do have a monthly option or an annual option if you want a, a little bit of a discount. It's a per tech price. So unlimited endpoints, um, it includes remote access, and um, it includes all the functionality in the platform. So, and any integrations that you know you'd like to take advantage of. So, um, it's very simple, transparent, uh, and affordable price point at like one twenty nine or one nineteen if you want the annual or the the monthly option. And it's there's no tiering in there for for different sort of levels. It's just a, a no, simplistic price. Just one flat price. You are going to make a lot of fans yeah. <laughs> who are listening to this because again, without you know, uh, wanting to be uh, confrontational with anybody in the industry at the moment. But one of the uh, the the negativity that I'm hearing from some uh, MSPs at the moment is, you know, managed services. My MSP business was built on a monthly contract with clients. You live and die by the service. But we're seeing this increasing trend towards 
extremely long-term deals. And so some of the negativity I'm seeing in the industry, which is unfortunate, is because vendors are insisting on having long-term deals. And I can understand the reason for that, given the investment that comes into our space. But it's painful uh, to see because the MSP model really should be live and die by the service that you give each and every month and people can can choose with their dollars. So is that part of the philosophy that's behind, you know, where you're going with your licensing? A hundred percent. You know, um, I think we'll talk more about it. And we talked a little bit already about how Synchro is like people centered and we're really focused on helping MSPs grow. So we really want to mirror their business practices as much as possible and support them in that journey. I think where we see some other vendors having more lock-in, a uh, lock-in approach, yeah. uh, that's more, you know, uh, a selfish, to say the word, or more of an internally focused need, right? To like keep churn low, to keep MSPs locked into their service. Right. And we don't want to rely on that. Um, to keep MSPs with us. We want to rely on the fact that they view us as a partner, that they're getting value from the service, and that they have a choice every month to decide if you know that's what they're getting from us or not um, and make that decision. So uh, we really want to be a trusted partner when it comes yeah. to the, the terms. Let's dig a little bit deeper into that that trusted partner role then for the vendors. Because again, I grew up in this industry having these trusted partners with vendors um, uh, and the relationship for, for my MSP was not confrontational. It wasn't, we we looked upon the likes of Synchro as a supplier. We looked upon uh, the likes of Synchro as a partner to work with, to help us grow our business. Uh, and, and again, without trying to be overly negative about the industry, I think some vendors are losing that at the moment and, and are perhaps putting their own needs before or, uh, that of the client. So there's a lesson there. But what would you say is the role of a company like Synchro when it comes to helping the MSP grow their business? Yeah, I think um, we have to understand the business challenges first, right? So we have to understand the landscape um, and what it's like to run an MSP um, and really listen to our partners. Fortunately, uh, Synchro has a number of, of people on the team who have either run an MSP or worked in an MSP before. So that definitely helps us. We have some insiders, but we've talked about change. Uh, so we also um, make a conscious effort to connect with partners, have them at our weekly town halls, as I mentioned, to talk not about Synchro, what features they want from Synchro, but just about what it's like to run an MSP today. What are their challenges? What are their aspirations outside of features, right? Just that for their life for their wellness, for their family, for their business growth, uh, so that we can figure out what we can do to be that trusted partner for them and support them in that journey. Wonderful. Really wonderful to hear. And I think you're part of a... Uh, Synchro is part of this new breed of vendors that are coming up that are getting back to the, dare I say, to basics of putting the, the client first and, and dealing with the client's need. It sounds so obvious, but, you know, I think somewhere along the line, we've we've uh, moved away from that. So kudos to uh, to the Synchro team for, for, for going there. Now, I did some due diligence beforehand. You mentioned you've got many people within the organization who uh, used to run MSPs, got a lot of MSP experience. Speaking to people before uh, about what type of company Synchro is, and some of the words that came up were fairness, kindness, transparency. So you're clearly building this, you know, culture uh, as a human company. Where did this culture come from, uh, Emily? You know, how has it become a competitive advantage to Synchro in in what is increasingly like ruthless, sales focused, and combative times between vendors and MSPs? Yeah, I think there's a few places it comes from and it continues to be reinforced um, inside the company. One, it comes from our founders. 
So we had founders that, you know, ran technical businesses, understood sort of what that, what it was like to run a small business and have tech challenges. So um, we had a very strong core and, um, you know, original uh, uh, identify, like they identified very strongly with what it was like to be an MSP. And that's kind of built into the platform and the, the culture and the team from the outset, which I think really helps. As I mentioned, we have people today that come and go working from MSPs or running MSPs who work at Synchro, which really helps. Um, and, and that's really the heart of the business that's been established over time is that we want to invest in the communities, not, not only the MSPs, but the small businesses that, that they support. Right. And then I have to say, I have to give a nod to Austin McCord, um, who I worked with for a number of years and who was a very strong proponent uh, of this same sort of philosophy of transparency. I think I learned a lot from him about how to speak to partners, how to be fair, how to be transparent. He, um, you know, he was always out front leading as a CEO and interacting with partners. And I've adopted that uh, internal philosophy as well as external philosophy um, in terms of dealing with the team, but also in dealing with our partners. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful to hear. And again, you know, we've had, I know you you said before we came on air that you listen to the podcast yourself as a listener. You must hear so many people who speak so well of Austin, which is, you mm-hmm. know, um, a, a great tip of the hat to his legacy, his impact on the MSP uh, scene there. We've never had him on the podcast. I'll have to, oh. uh, I'll have to, have to reach out to him. I don't know his, uh, uh, if I can get him on the podcast to speak about that. But Moving forward, one area that's very close to my heart is mental health. You know, we've shined a spotlight on this podcast on uh, the the challenges that MSP owners can have. And and let me rephrase that, not just the MSP owners, but everybody within the industry, increasingly challenging times. Now, as I said, I've spoken to Synchro staff who have beamed about the Synchro culture for supporting the mental health of staff. And what's more, I know that uh, diversity inclusion is very high on the agenda for you as a company. Tell us more about the philosophy uh, behind this. Elaborate a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and this, this actually goes back to my time at Data once again, where, you know, I, I was leading the support team um, and trying to figure out how do we, you know, take our what was great support already and make it even greater. Uh, and so I worked on that a lot with my leadership team and the support side and, and the support techs themselves. And after some experimentation uh, and a lot of research and thinking uh, and trying different things, it actually, you know, surprisingly or not, uh, comes out that more happy employees make more happy customers. Uh, right. More empowered employees make happier partners. Um, and so, you know, I've learned that lesson already before, luckily, and um, I carry that through to Synchro. And again, you know, a lot of it was already here when I got here. So I'm, I'm carrying the legacy forward. But um, we, we definitely believe that happy sort of uh, well, you know, uh, 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 mentally healthy uh, employees have a good balance, uh, aren't too stressed, make for productive innovative, uh, empowered employees. And it's really uh, important, especially, you know, the world today is a very challenging place to be in. Um, And, you know, the balance is even more important and talking about these things and encouraging people that they're not alone going through this, even if we might be, you know, alone in our remote offices, uh, that uh, we we care about that. We want to talk about the health of the business Um, the health of the people and the health of our partners. We talk about that as very interconnected. 
uh, very related. We can't have one without the other. And that maybe goes back to some of those ven vendor philosophies you were talking about. You know, we can't just take um, for ourselves. We have to also give. And there's like this, this uh, all those three, customers, business, and employees are very interconnected and intertwined. Um, and the wellness of each is important. So that's, yeah. how, that's how we proceed as a business. How as as a remote CEO or a CEO as of a remote team, how do you deal with those challenges? You know, uh, there's pros and cons, isn't there, of working together in an office with one another? I think the the, the cons is you know some of the the the, uh, the the drawbacks can be like the commuting and actually being on top of one another in an office is not great for mental health on times. But then the flip side of the coin, of course, there is more camaraderie and and spending time together from that uh, perspective, and and the opportunity maybe to have socials. So I guess my question question to you, Emily, is, you know, as a CEO of a remote company, how do you keep your finger on the pulse of uh, what's happening within the team, how happy they are, if there's any challenges, and how do you put a, a virtual arm around, you know, some members of staff to say, actually, we're here for you? Yeah. Um, so, we you know, we have great benefits and, and we do outreach and training and all those things that I'm sure are pretty standard. Um, and uh, like I mentioned, we have a weekly all hands. We do an employee NPS survey quarterly as well, which, you know, these I think are more and more sort of standard practice in the industry. I think some things that we do that or, or in tech in general, um, I think I think some things that we do that might not be standard is once a month we have a wellness day. And this is a day that everybody in the company takes off together. In addition to holidays and vacation and what, you know, we have unlimited PT, all that stuff. Um, but I thought it was really important to have a day where everybody is off. So, you know, it's one thing when Richard takes vacation for a week, you come back to like a pile of emails and people are waiting for you, or you might feel like you have to check in and you're missing out, right? Your FOMO. Right. Your FOMO. But in this case, everybody's off. So everybody gets a break. Nobody gets a Slack message. Um, nobody feels like they're missing something. Uh, and we all collectively get to take a sigh, like a, a breath and then come back uh, together. So that's one thing that we're doing that I, I've seen really great returns on. We usually pair it with a weekend. So we get like a three day, we got a Friday or a Monday, we get a three day break also, which really, really helps. Um, and so that's one thing. And then the second thing, again, a nod to Austin um, that I do that I think is not, uh, that is not usual is I do anonymous questions internally. This is a practice that Datto had um, for all of Austin's tenure. I can't speak to after I left, uh, I don't know, but uh, at least when I was there, that was standard practice and I've carried that forward to synchro. So um, the intent is not that people need to be anonymous to give feedback. I do open office hours. We do, you know, roundtables. We have ENPS survey. Like we have all, all the standard things. But I found in my career that there's always people that don't feel comfortable. They either have a question that makes them nervous to ask um, or they don't want to be identified, but they want an answer to something. And maybe they don't even want to phrase it that nicely. <laughs> but it's important, as you say, to know what the pulse is, to give a forum where anything can be asked. There's a guarantee of no repercussion because I don't know who you are and you get directly to the CEO. It holds me accountable. So I can't make a decision without having a very good explanation as to why I do it because anybody could question me on anything at any time. Um, and there's no retribution for that. So I encourage and welcome feedback from employees in that way. Luckily, we don't get too many things through that, through that mechanism, which I take as a healthy sign. Um, but, you know, every once in a while there is something. And I understand that people sometimes are afraid to ask. Uh, I totally get it. And I want to encourage folks to ask whatever's on their minds. 
That's incredible to hear. Brilliant uh, to hear. Uh, you know, and and again. I think what you're you're building here, and again, some of your experience with Austin and the team at Data, you've brought forward such wonderful uh, strategies for helping the team grow. But what you're building is almost like a blueprint from a, a modern uh, next generation uh, MSP vendor. Uh, yeah. So I would imagine there's going to be quite a lot of people listening to this and going, that's a really good idea. And uh, I, yeah. I hope it's uh, some of the, the ideas that you've suggested there do gain traction in the MSP industry, because I think, you know, it would help so many people as a whole. Now, I've seen you speak about meditation before. Now, if you're listening to this and you think meditation, what on earth has that got to do with the managed service space? Bear with me on this one. I, In fact, I think, Emily, that you've mentioned your senior team have meditated together. Would that be right? Yes. Yes, that's yeah. correct. Yeah. So, I mean, while once seen as something a little bit, dare I say, woo-woo, like myself, so many other high performers that I've interviewed on this show have mentioned a practice of meditation. So do you actively meditate? And, and if so, what benefits do, does, does that bring to you? Yeah, so I do uh, on a number of topics. And you're correct. The executive team at Synchro meditates together frequently in our meetings. It's part of our, our weekly practice. Um, and the benefits are numerous. I think, you know, we often uh, meditate around a particular topic that we're trying to understand um, our reaction to. So if I have a strong sort of stress or negative or something reaction, I, I tend to take that as an indication. Maybe I should sort of slow down. Uh, and think about that one for a little bit and just let my mind kind of roll around, roll that around and, and see what comes up. And also, um, you know, I'm increasingly getting educated on the fact that the mind and the body are very connected. Um, and I think meditation is one of the tools that have been, has been discovered or, or has been proven uh, to connect your mind and your body, because a lot of the time we have a physical reaction before we have like a cognitive kind of reaction to something. And meditation is something that can actually get you in touch with what your body is, is telling you, right? This fight or flight response before you actually even realize it in your brain. Um, so, you know, I think it's important, especially in the tech space where there's a lot of change, it's fast paced, not only for, you know, synchro, synchro team, but for MSPs, right? We're constantly on the go, MSPs even more so. Uh, we're doing our best to make sure that they, they get more time in their day. But even so, I know it's a crazy uh, work schedule for an MSP. So even like five to 10 minutes of meditation really helps like to recenter, clear your thoughts, ponder something that you, you might have gotten stuck on or had a, like, a reaction to that you don't quite understand um, and, and proceed more calmly. So when we do that with the executive team um, and you know we have meetings without meditation, we have meetings with meditation, there's a marked difference in the tone of the meeting, the way that we interact together, the calmness of the discussion. Uh, we have you know, seen that difference. I don't know if it's a scientific study, but it definitely um, was evidence enough for us to to continue the practice for sure yeah i mean i've been meditating for for many many years now i was quite late to meditation i think i was probably in my mid to late 30s when i i sort of found it but i often say i wish i could go back and tell younger richard meditate slow down you know just because it makes such a difference uh, and, and my great friend uh, Nigel Moore the illustrious leader of the tech tribe he said meditation for him just gives him those milliseconds of uh, of brain time, so he doesn't react to things. He can respond to them, uh, and wonderful to hear that you meditate yeah. as a team there. Because again, another practice that I think a few years ago people would have 
I'm not going to say laughed at, but taken with a pinch of salt. Oh, it's all a bit, you know, uh, uh, sitting around with cross legs and all the rest of it. Now it is a, a genuine business practice that people bring to the fore. And I have interviewed, you know, hundreds of, of people for this podcast. And the the high achievers, one, you know, common thread between them is like yourself, Emily. They talk about meditation as like a superpower. So yeah. uh, if you are if you are listening to this, go and get your Zen on. So it's the way forward. <laughs> Anybody can do it. It's very cheap too. <laughs> Absolutely. Do you use an app or anything like that? Or No, we are very fortunate in that we have one of our executive members is a yoga and meditation instructor. Oh, goodness. Wonderful. So we are very, very lucky in that sense. Um, so we use him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. That sounds good. Uh, not every company can uh, can hire a yogi to do that, but there's plenty of apps out there as well that can help. I, I use one called Headspace, uh, which is uh, very wonderful for doing it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, well, thank you for sharing that on the on the meditation front. I know for many people listening to this might be thinking, what has that got to do with managed services? Again, it's got you know everything to do with uh, high performance and that. So I uh, hope you help influence more people to pick up that practice. That now. So. We we talked, I said, you know, in your introduction here, I've had the privilege and the honor of speaking to so many, you know, wonderful um, and amazing women in the technology industry. However, I believe that you're one of only a couple of female CEOs of vendors in the MSP space, at least that I'm aware of. Perhaps you can correct me, but how have you found being a female CEO amongst so many male CEOs? And, and I guess second part to that question, Emily, why are there not more female CEOs like yourself? Yeah. Um, so uh, I think you're right. Uh, as far as I, I know, I'm one of the only two uh, uh, women CEOs of, of an MSP vendor right now. And, you know, even just outside the MSP space, there's not that many uh, right. women CEOs sort of in the world, uh, especially in, in tech company uh, positions. So, um, yeah, it's definitely a rarefied air still, unfortunately, um, but I am really uh, lucky uh, and I feel very grateful that I'm in the position that I'm in, because I think one of the reasons we don't have more female CEOs is that um, there aren't many. Right. So it's kind of chicken and egg. Yeah, right. Makes sense. And um, I'm, I'm always impressed and uh, and uh, uh, grateful when I see women in leadership roles and even just, you know, other sort of marginalized um, communities where they can be the role models for for others like them. I think it's really, really important that um, somebody can see themselves identified, right, uh, in a leadership position in order to inspire more people to take that path. It shows that it's possible, right? It's not it's not impossible. Here, here is a, a pragmatic, practical, real-life example of somebody who's done it, who's doing it. Um, and so I try to use my time uh, to mentor others, coach others, even doing podcasts like this. And thank you for the opportunity to um, you know, show that I'm a real person uh, in, in, in this role and, and hopefully some things I'm saying people identify with in themselves and so can see themselves getting to the same, same spot. So I hope to sort of inspire uh, through conversations and through talking about what it's like to be a CEO uh, and making more connections. Um, I think you know, another part of, the, of getting more, uh, more women CEOs is just it starts really early. 
Um, so the more that folks can do to uh, expose their children or themselves at an early age to like the, the opportunities available to different fields um, over time, it's going to play out uh, and, and things are going to change, but it is going to take, I think, some time. So I'm doing my part now uh, to, to, to be a role model and try to force myself to be out there um, and, and show people that uh, this is this is doable um, in the meantime. Well, we are honoured that you would be on the show. So the honour is all ours. And uh, we're oh. very, very grateful that uh, that you are putting yourself out there and, and sort of trailblazing this path here. It is my sincere hope that, you know, I look back on this and instead of saying you are the only female CEO that we've interviewed on uh, Tub Talk, I, I want in the future to say you were the first female oh. CEO that we interviewed on this show. So uh, uh, my best... Uh, hopes for that in the future. So you've been CEO now, you know, we're recording this, uh, we're coming up to August 2022. You've been CEO since December. Uh, over the past few months, what would you say is the most important lesson that you've learned since becoming a CEO? Yeah, great question. Um, I've learned a lot of things and I love to learn. So I am like in my element um, and challenged every day. I think the most important thing, uh, this is, I, I always struggle with like, what's the one thing? <laughs> I always want to yeah. say like five things. But anyway, I'll, I, for you, I will say the one thing. The most important thing I think I've I've been thinking about and trying to really hone in on is time management. Mm -hmm. Time is the one thing you can't make more of. You can't get it back. There's never enough. Uh, and as CEO, especially, there's a lot of different demands, um, you know, partner demands, internal demands, process changes, team stuff like there's there's all, all the things right board board members. Uh, so there's all sorts of distractions and priorities and really being careful and deliberate about where I spend my time, not only at work, which are all the things I just listed, but in my life. And how do I maintain that balance um, where the people in my life are happy with me and I am also happy with me over time, right? Like I don't, I don't want to be. I don't want to become an unhealthy state or an unsustainable state. And I think that's all about where do I spend my time? How do I make sure I am do, doing the best for the business, but also taking care of myself and my family at the same time? And so those those trade offs around time management are. Uh, something I've had to experiment with, and I'm not I'm not perfect yet, so I'm still learning the lesson. I would imagine. So you're very mindful about where you spend your time. Have you any tips for listeners, uh, perhaps the owners of MSPs, who uh, perhaps have got themselves into a situation where they're always on? And you and I both know this industry quite well, and it's so easy to do. You know, smartphones yeah. uh, always connected. Any tips for listeners on how they can almost draw a line uh, between work and home and switch off effectively? Yeah, um, I can only say what's worked for me. Um, one thing I do is I block off one day a week where I don't take recurring meetings. So I will take meetings, right? I will take emergencies. I'll take, you know, one things that are, arise on one off. Um, so I do meet, I do work, but I don't schedule recurring meetings and I try to block off time to do deep work. Um, or I take, this is the time management. I take things deliberately that interrupt my uh, deep work because they're important and I make that choice. So that's one thing that I do. I know that might be a luxury for an MSP, but um, I did talk to one of our partners who said their business goal for the year was actually to get to a spot where every couple of weeks they could take a day off to spend with their son and go skiing or do something uh, with the family. So I think of that often. And I think that that we all sort of aspire to, to be able to do that. So that's one thing I do. And then another thing that's really sounds really tactical, but has really helped me just prioritize the buckets is I actually color code my calendar. 
And I'm not like a neat freak or like any sort of OCD zero inbox person, but this is the one thing that I do. Um, I do color code the types of meetings. So I color code if it's a one-on-one, if it's a team communication or meeting or event, if it's like a work session, uh, or if it's an external conversation, it's with a partner. And I, you know, that gives you a really clear visual view when you look at a week about where did you spend your time um, that I can reflect on at the end of the week and say, hmm, a lot of, a lot of one-on-ones, not a lot of partner time, like bad, bad Emily, do better next week. So uh, I find it's a really visual way. And, you know, I have artist, artistic background. So for me, that works to help, uh, help me prioritize my time better. I love that. Now I've, I've color coded, um, you know, my calendar uh, for a little while, but uh, talking of amazing women in tech, uh, Claire Jenks, who is one of, uh, uh, one of my great colleagues, like yourself, she's got a background in, uh, you know, in design and in uh, art and things. And uh, she's actually created icons in the colors Ooh. as well. So for instance, if she's wow. driving between meetings that comes up with a little red car, you know, like off Monopoly or something like that. Very, very cool. I must get her on the podcast to share share the secrets of that yeah. with everyone. But it's great to hear that you've got that, that sort of system behind it because unless you find a way, you know, to uh, to turn off uh, effectively, you can, there's, there's the, the amount of work that can be done with an MSP never ends. And I think it's Parkinson's law, isn't it? The amount of uh, work will expand to fill the time available. So we've got to 100%. put some artificial constraints in there. So thank you for sharing those tips there. Yep, you're welcome. Hope they help. <laughs> yeah, we talked uh, earlier on uh, about uh, the influence of Austin McCord on you. Uh, I guess, would it be right to call him like a, a mentor as well as a friend? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Have, have you uh, any other mentors that you would speak to that uh, you know have really influenced you in your journey? Um, I, I mean, I've been really fortunate to have a number of great leaders that I've worked with. I worked at um, a startup, uh, Brightcove, which went public um, back in the day, which has been uh, a great, it was just full of smart people who have gone on to do a bunch of other things that I, I keep in contact with and pull from and get advice from all the time. I've also been very fortunate to have uh executive coaches over the years, different ones. I really believe in the power of feedback and a coach is a really effective way to maybe hear what you don't want to hear or hear what nobody wants to tell you uh, and then be able to learn from that. And then um, lastly, I think on the mentorship front, I was uh, very fortunate to have Ursula Burns on the board of Synchro, a very powerful woman CEO um, who spent you know a, a sliver of time with me, but that sliver really made an impression and really fed into some of the sort of work-life uh, balance um, philosophies that I've adopted. And she always recommended like, don't, don't give yourself a hard time if over like a 24 hour period or a week, you've not achieved balance, right? If you work really hard one week and you, you neglect your family a bit, like don't, don't be so hard on yourself. Look at it over a longer term horizon and try to make time over, you know, over months, not like every, every day has to be perfect, right? There's, there's some give and take there. So I, I've been very fortunate to have a number of really smart, um, and experienced folks who have been willing to share their advice with me and be candid with me uh, over time. That's what I benefited from the most. Wonderful to hear. And, and you've shared so openly and honestly, I, I strongly suspect that um, as well as acting as a uh, as a virtual mentor to a lot of people, probably that you're not aware of, that you're, you're going to impact a lot of people with the words that you've uh, shared on this podcast as well. So thank you for being so uh, open and, and honest. I guess as we come to the end of our time together, I want to uh, come back to the product, to Synchro as a company. What does the Synchro roadmap look like? What features can we expect to see in the future? 
Yeah, so you know we are we are very busy. Uh, we are always growing with our MSPs. So we have a number of things uh, on the roadmap. Um, first uh, focus for us is just investing really uh, a lot more in the PSA side. So we recently released OS patching for RMM. That was kind of the most in-demand feature that we had for the RMM kind of tool set. Um, and so we delivered that. Now we're really sort of switching our, our gears to focus a lot on the PSA, on the ticketing, on the workflows for ticketing. Uh, we, we pre-announced and gave some, some uh, advance notice that we've improved sort of the communication uh, and the, the rich text and the ability to sort of really customize the communications through ticketing that's coming out uh, very, very soon. But we'll be investing even more in the ticketing workflows, the automation and the invoicing on the sort of the customer communication and workflow side of the business. Um, and then, as I mentioned, our customer base, our partner base is growing. Um, so we want to grow with them. And we're doing a lot of investment in our platform, reliability, security, scalability, right? We're looking ahead, we're seeing the growth and we wanna make sure that we're already there before our partners start to test the system. So, um, and again, we've been very transparent. So if you're a partner of ours, we post in the community all the work that we're doing in that area as well to make sure that your, your business is safe with us and, and secure going forward. Um, and then the last thing we have on the roadmap is just more integrations. Like I said, we know our sweet spot, we know our expertise, we're gonna invest there, but there's a whole bunch of tools and features that a partner needs to run their business. So you'll see more integrations from us for those areas where maybe we're not the experts, but there are other folks who, who are. Um, and uh, other ways for us to maybe add some features that allow you to eliminate costs from your business. So where we can add and enhance our platform so you don't have to pay for another tool, we'll look for those opportunities as well. So those are kind of the three areas we're focused on most in the next like six, 12 months. Fantastic. Exciting times coming up. And Emily, this has been such a joy as a conversation for me. Uh, I, you know, I have the best job in the world. I get to speak to people like yourself who uh, are inspiring, energizing. So thank you so much for taking time out of your day to uh, to chat with me. I know how incredibly uh, busy you are. I hope you and I get a chance to meet together in person again, because it's been too long uh, since yes. I've actually seen you in person. And I hope it's in somewhere wonderful like Paris again, because uh, yeah. that would be very, make very Make that cool. happen, Richard. Let's make that happen. <laughs> now, if anybody uh, listening to this wants to reach out to you, to continue the conversation with you, personally or to find out more about Synchro as a company and a product, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, so the best way, if you just kind of want to browse, is our website, synchromsp.com. Um, but as all of our partners know, they can reach me or anyone in the community can reach me at ceo at synchromsp.com anytime they want. That's my email address, um, and I will respond, or I'll get you the help that you need. And um, just one more thing on the roadmap and communicating with me. We are MSP-driven, so our roadmap is driven by the top requests that our MSPs and, and prospects right um, uh, are asking for. So we do... Um, um, we do really value the feedback. And so I encourage everyone to reach out to me uh, when they have the time to do so Absolutely. and give me feedback or requests. Yeah, we'll, we'll include all of those contact details in the show notes uh, for this show. So go across to tublog.co.uk to find the links for all of those things and everything else that we spoke about today. Emily, this has been an absolute pleasure. What an honour to, to speak to you, uh, to spend time with you. And thank you again for being so open and honest about uh, everything within the Synchro business and your own career as well. It's been uh, a, a lot of fun. I hope you've enjoyed it too. Yes, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. <laughs> My pleasure. 
Hey folks, Richard here. Thanks for listening today. I know you've got a ton of options for who you listen to nowadays, so I really appreciate your support. Do you have any feedback on this episode? Ideas for future guests? Tweet me at Tublog using the hashtag TubTalk. I respond to every tweet and really appreciate your feedback. Thank you.